Greetings, Pear Shorpers and Retrogrades. Today, I have with me my friend, Joe Boca, to discuss the burning question. I know it's been burning a hole in your mind. Is it licit to convince non-Christians of the Christian faith, non-Catholics of the Catholic faith? Joe Boca, thanks for joining me today to, to plumb the depths of this labyrinthine question. I'm being sarcastic. How are you, my friend? I'm doing quite well. I'm always happy to be on your show. I'm always happy when you're on my show, meaning I'm happy right now. And look, man, this is a, I guess, debate that shouldn't even be a debate. What happened is in the now infamous debate between Jeff Kassman and, and uh, Peter Diamond on Matt Frad three to four weeks ago, Diamond made some, some comments that were really devastating about the Pope as against the Pope's planners. And um, two or three of them were about Francis's repeated, well-established stance, stance that it is not licit to convince them, non-Christians, of your faith. Proselytism is the strongest venom against the ecumenical path. He quoted this directly. And Francis, or I'm going to play you, you parish orphans and retrogrades, a couple of quotes. And Trent Horn and Michael Lofton, in a kind of follow-up video they did to the Kassman diamond debate, said that, quote, uh, well, I think I'm quoting it right. This is a misrepresentation. The question is, Joe Boca, how is directly quoting someone a misrepresentation? The answer is it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So that here's the, here's the problem. And just like you said, it's a debate that, that is, shouldn't be had. That's the, that's the problem is all I'm going to say to you now is Pope Francis just said that it's illicit to convince people of Catholicism that goes it. I mean, that goes against the entire reason that the church exists Yes. I mean, let, let alone the dogma of no salvation outside the church. Yes. Let, well, okay, so let, let's, sorry, were you going to say more? Well, so, no, wanna, no, yeah, that, that, that's, that's. I want to unpack right. all yeah. these things in today's yeah. show because this is one of those shows where like the title is a question. Did Pope Francis say this? Let's just right off the top establish, I'm going to play, I'm going to play some quotes for everyone right now. Yes, he said this. And no, it's not a misrepresentation to quote someone directly. If anyone, if any Pope splainer, Pope splainer splainers, because uh, it's a cottage industry, you get Pope splainers that essentially are telling people um, the Pope can say A is not A. And then there's sounding board people. I have friends that are like Pope splainer splainers that are saying it's not okay for me to criticize someone who says that A is not A because the Pope says it and so forth. And then there are Pope splainer, splainer, splainers, and so on and so forth. So first we're just going to establish, he did say that. And then we're going to talk about what this means. You and I, Joe, if, if mm. that's okay with you, is that okay with you? That's what I'm here for. I should hope so. Now yeah. people out there, I try not to badger you, but what everyone else on YouTube does that I try not to quote badger about is a necessary evil. Please hit like on this video, subscribe to the channel. That's even more important. And leave a comment. There's going to be lots to comment on on today's video. Some videos, less so. Today, lots, lots so. 
We're trying to hit 40,000 before the end of the year. We want to hit 50,000 before mid-year of next year, subscribers. So subscribe to this channel if you watch it repeatedly. Thank you. Also, go to realestateforlife.org. You have a matter of weeks to get real concrete plans to get out of your blue state and get to a red state, Joe Boca. And uh, if you go to realestateforlife.org, they will help you do so. It's a good Catholic pro-lifer on the other side. Go to realestateforlife.org. Okay, so that's, that's, that's it. Also, if you want to support this show, Timothy J. Gordon on Patreon. On Patreon, we have a special deal going on now, a special activity. On Friday evenings, we are discussing, in the honor of the Tide, my favorite new series. Yes, it's on Netflix, but it is so, so Aristotomist, Stranger Things. People just loved the first patrons-only live stream on Friday. We have three more coming. We're doing the full first season. Okay. Joe, just respond to this, okay? I, I never know what YouTube's slippery rules are on playing other people's videos. Sometimes we would get dinged for them. Other times we don't. We didn't. So I just play it here. And Joe, you do the commentary. You, you lead off the commentary. This is interesting stuff. Now Trent Horn and Michael Lofton are essentially caught being bald-facedly contradicted by the facts. I invited mm -hmm. both of them on the show today. Both declined. Lofton might come on later, but they both declined for today. You, you, you comment on this. First, let me play it. Teaches that it's illicit to convince people of the Catholic faith. Francis teaches that it's illicit to convince people of the Catholic faith. In response to my statement on this matter, Trent Horn claimed this. So this is a misrepresentation of what Pope Francis believes. Horn said that my statement was a misrepresentation of Francis's position. No, my statement was totally and completely true, as we will see. Here's the proof that anti-Pope Francis teaches exactly what I said he does. Non è lecito convincere della tua fede. Il proselitismo è il veleno più forte contro il cammino ecumenico. As anyone can see, Francis says that it's illicit to convince people of your faith, which is... What do you say? We'll go to Lofton in a sec, but first just respond to that, Joe. Uh, well... I will tell you that regardless of what Francis, uh, the man they call Pope Francis, uh, regardless of what he says, I will still continue to try to convince people of Catholicism because it's not, it's not merely illicit. It's the whole point. So that is why, I mean, the, the mission of the church is to save souls. We know that. Uh, to, so what I suppose what they're trying to use is some kind of uh, explanatory tool is that is the idea that proselytism is forced conversion or something like that. Here's the thing though. Uh, what, what I perceive Horn trying to do here is use theology. And we've talked about this is use theology to dispense with logic and to dispense with grammar, to dispense with things that precede theology there. You, you need these as, you don't even need these as an interpretive aid. They're just, they're the first, they're the first principle. The first principle is that a sentence makes sense, right? So, 
uh, he tells you before he ever even says the word proselytism, he tells you what he means by proselytism. He's Francis is telling you that he understands proselytism. This is called context clues for those who, you know, who have taken uh, a basic English or grammar class, right? This is a, the context clue. Logic teachers that, would say it's something stronger. We'd say it's a definition by example. I, I talk. Okay, that's better yet, right? Yeah. He's yeah. telling you, you break down the sentence. He's telling you the defini his definition of proselytism before he ever even says the word proselytism. He says it is illicit to convince people of the faith and then goes on to say why proselytism is bad. Therefore, his understanding of proselytism is that is, is that proselytism means to convince people of the faith. It's the, basically Lofton and Trent Horn's explanations of uh, forced conversion or something like this is projected onto Francis. It's not what he's saying. Like, if Francis is going to be a heretic, let him be a heretic. Like, let his yes be yes and his no be no, because, because he's, not, he's not skewing it. He's telling you what he means. Which is the whole, which is the whole point, and I think that's why it's frustrating. He's telling you what he means by proselytism, and okay, it means so, evangelization. Yes, uh, the older view of proselytism, by the way, is a genus that would include all methods of of convincing other people to become Catholics, meaning the licit ones appeals to the will and intellect, and the illicit ones it would include forceful. Uh, uh, convictions to the faith. The newer definition of proselytism, it means only the illicit ones, right? So there's a species to genus relationship of proselytism, the narrow definition to proselytism, which includes all forms mm -hmm. of evangelization. Now, just for the record, I am a, at, at one point, fluent Italian speaker, I, I, you know, studied, got an entire degree in Italian, pure lecture courses, took uh, oral exams in Italian. So this is the, the modern language I'm the most familiar with, uh, more than even Spanish. Everyone speaks Spanish. Everyone in California speaks Spanish, but I, I spoke Italian better than Spanish. And this quotation by Francis, now there are two, I'm going to play another one for you in a second, but it's... Uh, a, an a Italian one student's dream to get a transliteration project like this because it's a bunch of really, really, really basic sentences, words in two sentences, a bunch of basic words in two sentences. And it includes many cognates. Cognates are words that are universita and university, you know, basically the same in two, in two different languages. He says, non elecito, Convincerle della tua fede. You couldn't ask for a simpler sentence here. It is not licit, convincerle, to convince them, he's talking about non-Christians, of your faith. End of story. It is not licit. Non è lecito convincerle della tua fede. It's not licit to convince them of the faith. Trent Horn said that diamonds direct quote of this short, simple sentence, you know, subject, linking verb. Uh, uh, it wouldn't be a predicate nominative here. Uh, it is not licit. It would be a predicate adjective. 
right? Subject, linking verb, predicate, adjective, basic sentence with a bunch of cognates. He said, that's misrepresentation. That's not right. And then this is your point, Joe. He says, il proselytismo e il veleno più forte contro il camino egomenico. That is also a very basically structured sentence with many, many cognates. Proselytism is the venom most strong against the ecumenical walkway. That's what he says. So that's a definition by example. When you say it's not licit to convince people of your faith, that's the quiddity, the definition of the term proselytism. He's using the wider term, which would include appeals to the intellect and will. And then he says, and this proselytism is the strongest venom against the ecumenical path. Well, guess what? This happens again. This happens again um, in a different Francis speech. Let me play this, and then, Joe, you respond to this as well. On August 7th, 2013, Francis stated, There you have it. <laughs> there, 20 says, there you have it. Um, so yeah, let me let me look at what he actually says. Do you need to convince the other? Again, he's talking about non-Christians. Direct quote. Do you need to convince the other to become Catholic? No, no, no. Exact same short sentence structure where he's saying you do not need to convince the other in one claim. And then he says it's actually a, a sin. It's illicit to convince non-Christians of Christianity. Joe Boca, what do you say? Well, uh, <laughs> what can you say? Uh, he says, no, 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 that you're not to convince the other. That is anti-gospel. That is against spreading the good news. The gospel is the good news, right? He is contradicting Christianity. Not me. I mean, not even merely Catholicism. He's going against whatever the whole point is. Like the whole... He's going against the whole religion. So we, we talked about this somewhat, and I don't know how much we'll get into it. But if somebody has a question as to whether or not a pope can do that at all, it's a fair question. <laughs> so if you want to look at this man and say to yourself, uh, and we talked a bit about how... Um, a lot of the times these things are better stated in the negative than in the positive. Right. So uh, if you want to look at this man and you, if you, if you look at, a, th these are two things that we just went over. Whereas you already did a video on a, what? 101. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 101. Uh, and then you have the stuff in Amoris Letitia and whatnot. That is, so you have here him calling something uh, a sin it's kind of an interesting binary actually. So here you have him calling something a sin that is not a sin. In fact, it's virtuous. He had, you have him calling something a sin th that is not a sin. And in Amoris Letitia, you have him calling something not a sin that is certainly, that is objectively sinful. So he is uh, go completely flipping Christianity on its head. So if you Look at what, so there's uh, multiple criteria for this. And I'm just some, some guy who 
uh, talks in front of his phone to people. But uh, if you look at Bell- Bellarmine's criteria, but uh, or John of St. Thomas or uh, John of St. Thomas and Cadetan, I think would be the two that contradict Bellarmine, but it's within the realm of approved opinion uh, by the doctors to question whether or not a Pope could do this sort of thing. It seems impossible. Yeah, let's, no, no. I mean, it, it, it's a good question whether or not it's at least a Pope fair. could do this. Okay, so let's, let's, let's table that for a second. Yeah. I just want to firmly establish that there is a need to talk about that second question. In other words, firmly establish Francis is not only being represented accurately when people quote him directly saying it's not licit to spread the Christian faith by any means. He's saying that directly and it's be, he's being misrepresented. But then everything else associated with his pontificate, words and deeds, begin to make sense. He said the true faith of the Lutherans. He said they had true faith. He, he said that God wills the diversity of religions in the Abu Dhabi statement. Right. Then he corrected it and said it was his permissive will, not his wise will. Then he made the same mistake again about two months <laughs> ago. Yep, mistake. That's him speaking. The Pontifical Academy for Life is basically the Pontifical Academy for Death. How many different pro-abortion people has he put on the Pontifical Academy for Life? This is bald-faced stuff. My claim is that even trads haven't gone hard enough at Pope Francis. They go too hard at the council, not hard enough at Francis. Francis is the dumpster fire to end all dumpster fires. And then, of course, more recently, you had one of my personal heroes, uh, Bishop Strickland of Tyler, sign on to this essentially new set of dubia saying that Pope Francis essentially committed a, a heresy. I think that's what the document's saying. I signed on to it too. It said it in so many words. Francis made this claim that the wedding garment of faith is all you need to either get the Eucharist or get to heaven, both of which are at least material heresy, right? The wedding garment of faith, whether you, faith means faith, or faith, the wedding garment of faith means works. Either way, you need faith and works to get the Eucharist and to heaven. So the context, Joe, is there. The context is there. Now we have the denotation. We, I, I played two quotes, very simple sentence structures where no interpretation is even possible. Both sentences are subject, linking verb, predicate, nominative, or predicate adjective. There's just no... There, like you said earlier, I like this very much. You can't use theology to contradict simple sentence structures, grammar, and logic. Listen to the way, so that was Trent Horn that attempted to do that, cast this as a misrepresentation. Here's Diamond responding to Lofton and, and a direct quote by Lofton embedded. Listen to this. By claiming that Francis certainly doesn't reject convincing people of the faith, proselytism as understood by Pope Francis is an idea of coercion and force and unjust means. It's not an idea of expressing and preaching the truth. That's certainly not the case. Okay. So what you respond to that, Joe, and and Lofton might come on the show later. He, he seemed to indicate he, he would. Uh, Trent seemed to say he, he's not going to address this at all. Uh, We had some emails back and forth. Lofton and I had some texts back and forth. Both were invited to come on and do dialogue. I thought that's what they wanted, right? Is that what they want? I think you said it. They are superimposing 
false intents and even false words on to Francis. He says, look, it's not licit to convince others of the faith. And they're saying he never said that. I'll play another quote by Lofton after I get a word back from you. But they're saying, no, no, he just doesn't want you to club someone in the head with a brick to make them become a Catholic. You just made that up. Guys, Michael, Trent, you're just making stuff up. That's fair, right, Joe? What I just said. Francis said two things. He said it's illicit to convince the other. And he when asked if he, he said, uh, no, no, no. We you must cannot, not convince he, the other. We must not convince. Yeah. We must not convince the other. He said what he means. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't speak. And more importantly, he doesn't speak anywhere about forced conversion. He doesn't even mention that. No, that's, that's, that's in, that's in the meta. He, he it, we're, we're projecting. And I understand, look, I, I get it. I get why somebody would want the guy parading around as Pope to be faithful I'm not saying he's not Pope. Um, I, I, do, I, I will be honest about my position. I don't think he is. But I, I understand why the guy, they want the guy dressed, the, 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 the Bishop of Rome, to say things that are uh, coherent and uh, consistent with tradition and things, and uh, not just tradition, uh, with, with the, everything that the church has taught for centuries. I know why people want to say that. But he's not. That's not what he's saying. <laughs> like yeah. I wish I I want that to be what what he's saying. You know what I mean? I I would prefer that. Uh, I would prefer fidelity. But I'm not going to print <coughs> Fran, Like it's almost it's almost so simple that I sound like an idiot here because it like he said what he means and I'm letting him mean what he means. That's all. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's it, it's really that simple. Okay, there's one. Maybe if it were April 1st when Francis made both those statements, <laughs> and it were April yeah. Fool's Day, and Italian Argentine, he's actually all Italian by blood, but uh, Italians raised in Argentina get what April Fool's Day is. I think it's I think it's a gringo thing. But um, let's say he was celebrating that, and both of those quotes happen on that day. Would you accept that? I would, but it, it wasn't April the first. Yeah, if he was joking, and look, I, 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 I. I Francis has been funny occasionally. Like, I mean, I, I thought it was funny when he said, when he was like acting gangster and he was just like, you know, I know some of you wanted me dead and stuff like that was funny stuff, but like, that was uh, kind of yeah. yeah, but like, but I don't, I don't think he was joking here. Like, uh, and he's usually not like he's, uh, and that's the, th that's the thing. He is, um, uh, people, I mean, I've been on your show multiple times. Like people, people know how I feel about Vatican II and stuff like that. And, uh, you I love it. You love it. Yeah, exactly. It's my favorite. I do have the text right here, right in front of me. It's propping you up. But um, <laughs> I, I the remarks have been made on January 25th, which is the international opposite day. Okay. January 25th or April 1st. They're made in June. <laughs> and I forget when the other one was. So short of January June, 25th, June is uh, June is pride month. So maybe it was like perverting something just to, in the spirit. But, <laughs> but, but, but um, I want to, okay, go on, you go on. I, I have to, uh, no, you, you first, I'd rather. Well, one, I just want to point out, cause it's like where my video paused. Lofton says at the end of this quote, that's certainly not the case. He said, there's a kind of, I mean, I'm going to ask him about this face to face. I don't, I don't want to talk 
more about uh, Lofton or Trent, uh, you know, Michael or Trent when they're not here. But, you know, Trent said no. And, and Michael said um, probably in a little bit. But like there's a certain amount of of um, epistemic hubris that seems to be avalanching on the side of Pope Splainers. Where they're saying things like, no, no, that's certainly not the case. Or they'll say as if the burden of proof or per- the, the, the standard of persuasion is a better term is not on them. They'll go, well, I haven't seen that anywhere. So it's certainly not the case. Well, you might be selective in burying your head in the sand. I think that's what most reasonable think people are thinking now that Pope Splainers do. You're an ostrich. So it's a weird leap to premise a, an absolute claim, that's certainly not the case, that he said it's illicit to convince others of the Catholic faith, on you shutting your eyes and ears and going, la, 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 you know, which is at most what they're doing. Well, I haven't seen that. Well, you're not looking for it. You're not responding. I, I sent both Trent and uh, Michael these video clips so they, they could know. I was like, look, all, what I'm really inviting you guys on for, because up to now, I thought you're good, honest dudes. I've debated Trent. Lofton made some really good points about Vatican II's documents on my show. He knows a lot about them. Um, so he, he kind of helped convince me of a few things when it comes to Vatican II, which is a totally different issue than Francis. I want to talk about this the second half of today's show. Francis is not like the apotheosis of Vatican II. He's his own thing. He is a crisis like we've never had. Um, and so I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, what they really needed to do on my show or their own shows or someone's show is come on and say, we each said it's certainly not the case that Francis said it's illicit to convince others of the faith. And he just did. And you can play it. I wanted to just be like, so what do you say? I, I don't know what they would have said if we had him here, but. Why do they have so much conviction? Well, before you answer that, let me play the other Lofton quote here. Lofton first questioned whether Francis even made the statement that I said he made. But he said that Pope Francis says it is illicit to convince people of the Catholic faith. That's what he said. It is illicit to convince people of the Catholic faith. Um, I haven't seen that before. I have not seen Pope Francis say that. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. This reveal. Who, I mean, I want you to comment, Joe, but how, how Michael Lofton, how hard did you try? Let's just, so Lofton says, well, I haven't seen that before. I don't think that's a thing. Now let me play for people what I played at the beginning. He said this didn't happen. What I said he does. Here it is. One more time, people. Non è lecito convincere Della tua fede. There it is. Il proselitismo è il veleno più forte contro il cammino ecumenico. Yes, it is not licit to convince them or others, li at the end of the word, of your faith, la tua fede. Proselytism is the venom most potent against the ecumenical walkway or path. All cognates, okay? 
And what I wanted to get your point of view on, Joe, because I invited Trent, I invited Michael, neither of them took my invitation to come on today. And then me and you just had a great phone chat about it last night, the way we do, is um, uh, Trent says this is a, uh, he says outright, this is a misrepresentation. To quote Francis, this is a misrepresentation. Lofton said two things. He said, that is certainly not the case. And we just played them back to back. And he also said, well, I haven't seen that. And I looked a little. How hard did you look? And how do you get from, well, I looked a little, I didn't see it, to that is certainly not the case. That is what I call epistemic hubris. What do you say, Joe? Well, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on the I didn't see it or I couldn't find it. Me too. Uh, It's hard to believe. Uh, Well, whatever. Um, Here's the thing now is let's I'll grant that because I cannot read souls. I'm not going to call somebody a liar, uh, but we have the information now and we should act accordingly. It's not, we are not. And here's where I, uh, here's where I, uh, I'm, I, am i not, I'm not one. I don't fancy these terms, papal minimalist and papal maximalist. I think it's all very, uh, you, I think people say these things just because, uh, uh, for for you to feel secure in their position, which I understand, but uh, I'm just a Catholic. But I think this is where I kind of agree with the uh, with the sort of minimalism in the sense that my my will and my intellect and my my ability, like my faculties, my what makes me human, is not subordinate to the Pope. I need to be able to first reason to submit my intellect and my will and my reason to the church. I, I need to be able that comes first. I need to be able to do that first. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I could do that. Then I could, then I could make the leap of faith and I could, uh, you know, uh, submit to what the church teaches, which I do. Right. And the building blocks of reason are propositions, right? Simple right. Propositions like it is licit to, convince others of the faith, or even it is the first command of the church to spread the gospel. It's the, the great commission. Uh, so a, a, an equally simple but opposite proposition is it is not licit to convince others of your Catholic faith. So did you go on, but yes, that I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to help your point. Right. Yeah. And, and that's true. Yeah. That's, well, that's exactly right. So the point is, is that now that we have the information, which we do, it's right there. It's clear as day. Uh, not only, and I don't want to hear. And I, what I don't want to hear is some shoehorn definition of proselytism because of because of a connotation denotation thing. He took like he defined it for you. He mm-hmm. did what Socrates. He did. He did you the Socrates thing and said uh, convincing people. Then went on to say proselytism, and then again said no, 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 no to convincing the other. He told you what he means. Take him at his word. And at this point, we have it all. And if that can't be condemned, I I don't know what to I don't know what to make of somebody at that point if they if they can't. Oh, look, Joe, we have someone in the yeah, comments sorry. saying, "Mystic soothsayer, you, you respond to this, Joe, right now. Uh, this is this this does get difficult to respond to because we're already being so direct, and we're playing Exhibit A and B." To say that Francis condemning proselytizing is equivalent to him condemning evangelization is uncharitable. 
You first, Joe. Then I'll, I'll take a crack at this. I, no, I because I, here's the thing. I can read. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that's, all, that's all it requires is the, is the ability to read and understand. Uh, it's not uncharitable. It's what he's saying. I, I, that, and that's the thing is that it, it always gets boiled down to a question of, of prudence and charity. And I, I, and I don't want to get diverted, but we could go to the question of the Pontifical Academy for Life appointment. Pope Francis appointed this person. And then all we hear about from people that are trying to, to say that we need to um, uh, be charitable, we do need to be charitable, charitable, first and foremost. But we need to, so there's people saying that we need to interpret that appointment charitably. That's not how actions work. You, uh, you interpret, you can, you can, there are times where you can interpret maybe an ambiguous phrase charitably, right? Um, although, uh, now, and here, the, we, you and I would disagree on whether or not this is a flowering of Vatican II. I would say yes, you might say no. But uh, the, the uh, hermeneutical aid for ambiguous text in the church is that if something is to be, in, if it could go either way between orthodoxy and heresy, uh, I think it's according to Paul IV, it's supposed to be interpreted heretically, and then you dispense with it because it's because it's potentially harmful. But that's words. The Pontifical Academy for Life appointment was an action. You don't interpret action. He interpreted an atheist pro-abort to the Pontifical Academy for Life. That's what he did. There's no interpretation of that charitably. No, not one, several. But yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, just recently. Uh, yeah, I was just uh, recently. Yeah, I was uh, in, a, in a vacuum. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, but it's multiple times now here now to this. The charitable interpretation of him saying not to convert people is the honest one. Because if I did, if I if if I glossed over that and projected my definition of proselytism onto what he was saying, I would be lying to you, which is not charitable. Okay, yeah. At a more basic grammatical level, I, I, I like that answer. I agree with everything you just said. But mystic soothsayer. Forget whether or not the genus, the name of the, the name of the action pertaining to the definition to convince others of the faith is proselytism, which it used to be that, that that term has taken on a negative connotation. It's a species of that genus. Forget whether we call that evangelization now, which is the, the more popular term now. Stick to the facts. The church says that it is our duty to convince others of the faith. The first command of the church is the Great Commission. Pope Francis says that to convince others of the faith is illicit and a sin. Can you respond to that in the comments? Like, mystic soothsayer, that's all we're talking about. Now, there's a, I mean, people, some people get confused easily, all right? So I'm not trying to confuse anyone here, but it doesn't matter whether, you know, gay used to mean happy, now it means like fruity. But the, the quiddities don't change. Happiness, the essence of that definition didn't change. Fruity still means fruity. They just had different terms for it back then. The point is, the point is, what does Francis believe about the first church doctrine, the first command of the church? You must go out and convince others of the faith. Not only that it's, it's not... Um, mandatory that it's just permissive but that it is a sin 
This is what matters, not what you call it. Okay, so if you, you want, you really ought to respond to that. I mean, that's what you're saying is it's not charitable to um, use logic. And I mean very basic logic. I don't mean difficult symbolic logic or super hard propositional logic problems or Venn diagrams, which can be harder than you think, or truth tables. I was a logic to you. I mean basic grammar, grammatical logic, propositions. He said, it's not licit to convince others of the faith. So people just can't say this anymore. And, and, um, and um, whatever mystic, whoever that is, obviously it's an indefensible position. Now, someone's saying that Lofton is going on Pints with Aquinas at two, two today. It would be nice if he addressed this because this is, this is a scandal. Just as the Pope's planers, if one of the Pope papal critics ever gets even a little hair wrong in a critique of the Pope, they'll make a big to-do. They'll gin up a bunch of trouble and make it a headline and say, well, this is a scandal. You, you scandalize people about the Pope. It's really wrong to say that a Pope said, who said something toxic, who contradicted the, the Great Commission, didn't say it. And that anybody who sees that the emperor doesn't have clothes on is, is, some, is lying or, or woefully incorrect. So I, I hope he addresses that. Now, Joe, I think people will take me to task. You, you said the man who's calling himself Francis. I, I think as we bring this show into the next, the second half, we should talk about is like, okay, once we establish that Francis is contradicting the purpose of the church, and he's been doing so for a long time. He's saying it's a sin. It's a sin to do the Great Commission. It is a sin to follow Jesus's words. Let that sink in. It is a sin to follow Jesus's words. And we bring in some context and some connotation. He calls, he calls a bunch of heretics, the Lutherans, uh, those who possess true faith, direct quote, he says, God wills the diversity of religions, got corrected, and then purposely uncorrected his correction. You already mentioned, Joe, the Pontifical Academy for the Life. I mean, there are 101 of these, so I always hesitate to start. When do I start throwing in that probably 200 uh, Christianity-contradicting falsehoods of Francis? But some of them are related to this. The recent wedding garment of faith, it all goes in the same direction the diversity of religions and universalism. He is, I'm very confident saying a universalist because he doesn't want us to spread the faith. So that's well enough established that really only ostriches can deny it anymore. There's two directions I want to take this. I don't care what order we do them in. One, I want to talk about Francis in the context of the last 60 years. You're, you're assuming we disagree sharply there. I think we disagree about one, one nuance there. And then two, and again, I don't care which, which you address first. I do want to talk about what does it mean now that it's a fact that Francis has for 10 years in three months consistently contradicted the, the reason for being of the church. He says sin is virtue. He says virtue is sin. And he says that that first command of the church is now illicit. He says following Jesus is a sin. The vicar of Christ is saying following Christ is a sin. Okay, 
So what do we do? That's the second question. What do we make of Francis's pontificate? But first, I want to put his pontificate into the context of the last 60, 65 years. Is it the flowering, the blossoming of that? And then all this is correct. These quotes are all direct quotes. So what do we make of his pontificate? Real, fake, whatever. Like, let's, so let's, let's just take those on. You, you, you address one of those two first, whichever you're comfortable with. Well, I suppose we'll go in number order. So, uh, yeah, we probably yeah we probably don't disagree as uh, as strongly as uh, one might think on Proposition One there. So, um, whether or not Francis is the uh, culmination of Vatican II, so uh, I I I would say sure, she sure is. Uh, You'd that- say the texts of Vatican II. I'd say I think I think the intent. And I think my, well, my distinction is really important. I, I don't think it's the text. Well, although I don't know, though, because um, you would agree, too, that Vatican II is, uh, you would use like the term weaponized ambiguity, right? Yeah, I think so. But that, that's yeah. in the intent. That's not what's ratified in the cord, four corners of the document. Right. Uh, well, here's the thing. I, I do, I, I, like, I agree with uh uh, with the society's line and uh, and even, you know, uh, the set of Acanthus line on Vatican II specifically, uh, that is to say that there's actual problems with it, right? Um, I'm not calling myself a set of Acanthus in that way, but I'm just saying in particular regarding the council. Um, but I think in order to, um, in order to say Francis uh, is, is, uh, is the culmination of this. I think you only really need to consent to the, the idea that Vatican II uh, does contain weaponized ambiguity, right? I, I, I tend to think that there's some errors in there, um, particularly uh, Lumen, uh, in Lumen Gentium on the uh, nature of the episcopacy. But uh, that's another show. But, but that's ticky tack. That's all I'm saying. Like, I look, let's put it in the big, that's ticky tack stuff compared to. Let me let me put it this way. I think I think you'll actually agree with this. Okay, mm-hmm. so you have the Pope splainers generally saying Francis is all good. They're not saying he's bad, but people he's not. You know, don't lose your shirt, people. He's bad, but he's not that bad. They're not. They're not saying that. They're saying actively, Francis is good. That's always what they say. Mm-hmm. And, and it, so they say Francis good, Council all good. On the one, exp- one hand, that's, that's the Pope's planers that I'm usually referring to. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you have the, the typical sort of mainstream trads, even though that's supposed to be a contradiction in terms. It's, it's actually not. And they say, Francis is bad. And I think they get how bad he is. Uh, they're really, really underwhelming on that. They don't get how bad he is, most trads. They say, Francis is bad, but the council's all bad. They, they seem to be said, I think the mainstream trad position is the council is worse than Pope Francis. And that, that is so, so whack. If I have that right. Um, Francis may be the culmination of the council, but it's worse with the council. And me, I'm in the middle, I'm closer to the trads. Cause I'm like, look, Francis is the worst thing that's ever happened to the church and the world. I, I like, I don't, I literally don't, I can't say it any stronger. Francis is the Pope Francis is the worst thing that's ever happened to the church and the world. I'm not a convinced Benedictus Pope person, but man, would that those guys are right. That would be dope. That would be so easy because Francis is such a bigger problem by a million than the council. So 
Pope's planers are equating Francis in the counters in the council in a good way. Trads are equating Francis in the council in a bad way, but they still want to put the emphasis on the council. I say Francis is the culmination of what was nefarious in the intent of the muscle at the council. But it's really important to me that I say, well, the texts, even though they might've had a bad intent, the texts were intentionally good to make them stick. Um, so, so accepting the documents, I do say the council as a historical event was bad. It was their coming out party, but it was way inchoate. It was way, way uh, early developed. And Francis is the worst thing that's ever happened to the Pope and to the entire world. And I'm saying that both the trads and the Pope's planners in opposite ways, one side says they're both good, one side says they're both bad, they're confusing everyone by too closely aligning Francis with Vatican II. He is unique. He is the worst thing that's ever happened. And you tend to miss a lot of tricks. I'm talking to the trads now. If you're like, yeah, well, you know, Vatican II has some ostensible problems. Well, so does Vatican I, but both of them are valid councils. Um, and, you're, and, and Francis just represents those. No, he's those. He's the, the minor problems with one mixed with the minor problems of two and the bad intent of two and a whole bunch of new developments that are really devastating. So I think that's why trads miss a lot of Francis's worst grievances. I just think everyone's asleep on Francis. He's the worst thing ever. Well, I think Francis is like sui generis in the sense that it's he, uh, he it's by degree. Uh, that's that what what I, that's what I think about Francis is that he's, and I I don't think anybody in their right mind could uh, would really disagree with that. Right? Is that Francis has been um, he's been flagrant in a way that his predecessors haven't quite been although they had their moments i i think would be uh because francis is basically just coming out and doing it every day right uh jp2 for instance you have some really bad stuff like um you have a cc you have his episcopal appointments uh you have people who have an issue with theology of the body which i would probably be one of them um and you have some other yeah and you have some other problems yeah, pedal ecumenism, feminism, JP. Femi feminism, feminism too. I'm sorry. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, yeah. It slipped my mind. Uh, yeah. Paul the sixth. You have the entire. You know, you have basically the entire council uh, because it's his council, and you have the entire new right, uh, which has his name on it. So um, here's yeah. the thing. So if people, so the problem, so the the Vatican two question is that. Uh, so is the, the dual hermeneutic, the hermeneutic of continuity and the hermeneutic of rupture. I think rupture is the only one that works. Uh, but there was a, like, there was the attempt at a hermeneutic of continuity, which failed or seemed to seem to fail. Uh, but the fact that there's weaponized ambiguity, that alone I don't have the quote on me. According to what uh, a Pope Paul IV would say, is enough to say that the council's poisonous, which I which I think it is, if not if not outright erroneous in some areas. Uh, the the there the difference would be, I think, on the level of how obvious it is, and I think I think Francis is more obvious, and I think that would be the, the I think that would be the distinction I'd make. But it's not just more obvious, Joe. Look, what, like. There's, I'm talking magisterial council, which means the documents. 
there's no there's no line this is not just the distinction of degree man francis we're going to be left over when this man dies we're going to be left over with him saying that public fornication public adultery is not a mortal sin and giving communion to public adulterers which violates both doctrine and sacramental discipline of the church and putting that into the Acta Apostolica Sedis. We'll, we'll be left with that, and we'll be left with about 200 statements where he's saying, it's a sin to follow Jesus, essentially. It's a sin to follow the church. You must essentially do the Masonic thing and just say all world religions are good. Like 50 of his 200, if I'm spitballing, 50 of his 200 statements baldly say, basically, you have to be a universalist, really baldly. No, no, mm-hmm. no real tricks or nuances. Just it's a it's a sin to their hell can't punish you forever. The, the logic of the gospels can't punish eternally. Mm-hmm. Therefore, don't try to uh, convert people. It's a sin to try to convince others of your faith. Um, and and basically everyone goes to heaven. The, the souls that aren't good just evaporate. I mean, there's all this stuff that's in that orbit conceptually. But, but most of all, we could always go to Amoris Laetitia. He put that in the AAS. He put the statement that um, public fornication is not a mortal sin and or that mortal sinners don't have to repent before receiving the Eucharist in essentially ordinary circumstances. We're left with that. that you know, we're left with him saying um, the wedding garment of faith is all you need to either receive faith is all you need to get the Eucharist or to get to heaven. That's Lutheranism. And Lutherans don't really believe much about the Eucharist, even though they believe a little more than most Protestants. So you see, we're left with things to chew on that compared to like, Oh, well, there's some nefarious guys that wrote the documents of the council. They wrote them all correct. Any, anything that's like a hardcore error, like the error in a more Satitia, Brick hitting a wall, brick hitting a, another brick. Um, you you look into it and it gets better. You're like, oh, that's not what it that's not what it says. He didn't say Islam's okay or Buddha. Uh, Vatican II doesn't say Islam's okay or Buddhism's okay. It says they believe that they have whatever. And and so there's just no there's no brick hitting brick there. With Francis, it's literally like I want Trent Horn, I want Michael Lofton on the show just for vindication for the truth. There's nothing. As a distinction of kind, there's nothing hard where you're like, okay, do, I mean, do it to me. If I'm being the Trent Horn or the Michael Lofton, this would be a whole other show. But I've, I've given countless trads the opportunity to do this with the council documents. Do it to me then, because I'll, 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 I'll flip around. I've studied the documents closely. It's like they don't say what some trads that sometimes have said they said. Francis always is saying what his critics say he's saying. He usually says a good deal more that's worse. Well, Davies called, Michael Davies, right, called it time bombs, right, of Vatican II. And, uh, and I, I think that's a fine I agree term. with that, though, in, in a lot of ways. Right. And, uh, but, that's not the same thing. It's, it's a totally different kind of thing. But I think it's because, but, but basically, basically what I'm saying is that um, uh, Francis could only be is only explicit because Vatican II was a little more implicit. But time bombs are like, look, I, I know a great deal about the U.S. Constitution. I only get to talk about it occasionally. Like Brutus, who's an anti-federalist who didn't want the Constitution ratified, 
in the summers of 1787 and 1788. He says that there are all these time bombs in Article 1 and Article 3 of the U.S. Constitution. He was totally right. He said the Commerce Clause was a time bomb. It totally was a time release poison. He said, um, he says the full faith and credit clause, uh, uh, sorry, he says the necessary and proper clause was a time bomb in Article 1. He says that having um, a, a, a federal judges for life in Article 3 is a time bomb. Absolutely. But this is not the same. And, that, and I, I agree with Davies. There are technically sound time release poisons that can be put into a document that's not that just because of the combination of humans, humanity's fallenness and smart, smart, radical leftist evil intent, and basically those two things, the ability of the left to always be more convincing to, to fallen humans than, than really solid people, you're always going to have some time release poison in pretty much all constitutions, sacred or secular. It was a little more, I think, intentional than what the Federalists wired into the U.S. Constitution that my people, the Anti-Federalists, were so cautious about. At Vatican II, it was more, there were more evil guys there that were really trying, trying to hardwire it in. So trads just want to make this, okay, so, so Francis is, Francis might represent the best possible, maximally efficient version of what the most liberal, most radical guy at Vatican II wanted. But he's a surprise. He is a happy surprise, even by that most liberal uh, council fathers, uh, whoever it is, even by his wildest hopes, Francis is so much better and bigger and badder for the church than the most subversive Vatican II person says. You know, there's, there's nothing that's just brick on brick. Um, I wonder, though, I wonder if that's not what, what, what they uh, had in mind eventually you know because it it, it seemed like they said and uh, and obviously this is different this is a different uh like this is before vatican II ever happened but like uh and all the alta vendita and everything like that the you know a pope basically a pope who's one of our own so it seemed like that there would be that that on the part of people that were subverting the church that that the the francis Pont pontificate was necessary at some point maybe it's sooner than we we would have thought but I, I don't know that um i mean i can't read i can't read minds but uh it, it seemed like I, I it seemed like a lot of maybe uh and i'm talking about clergy not laymen it seemed that a lot of like the good traditionalist clergy would have would find pope francis to be somewhat uh somewhat unsurprising but these things are always there, there's there's always a sense in which the unsurprising is still surprising though because it's just like you can't believe even like when they you know like even in secular politics you can't believe how brazen they could be even though uh you know you'll hear a crazy news story and you'll be like this is you'll be shocked by it but you sh you know you shouldn't be because it's like well the proof is in the pudding the whole time uh so i think when you look so uh, I'll, I'll borrow the, a term from the modernists when you look at the historical context uh and that is taking Vatican II somewhat as a historical event. But I, I, I'm, I guess I'm thinking that the, I'm saying that the, I don't think the historical event of Vatican II and the, the text can be necessarily uh, divorced. But when you look at the historical event of the council, 
the Francis pontificate, even as brazen as he is, uh, was go was bound to happen. You don't think? Well, well they're not divorced. I mean, they're they're uh, but they're conceptually distinguishable. We we've had this conversation before. They would be. I mean, they're, they're, they're not like, causally divorced. The 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 historical event of Vatican II, meaning the planning commissions, which I think a lot of that was underhanded, the announcement, the the, the convoking of it a year and a half later, what was going on shadow council at my university, the Greg, really nefarious stuff. The, all of that did lead to those documents, which did lead to, in in an indirect way, the new mass, which did lead in some sense to Francis. But, but so you always think, oh, well, I, I'm not saying they're divorced. Causally, the documents were a cautious instantiation, illicit instantiation of the really nasty, I think, intents of the muscle at Vatican II. So they're conceptually distinguishable. And I'm not sure. That's the point. I, Michael Lofton, Trent Horn, they're running. You should probably. The, uh, what? No, you, you, you could go ahead. Then I'll, I'll try to. I'm not running from anything. I'm like, look, if you think there's a hard brick meets brick line in any of those documents, throw them at me. But, but I, I mean, people have done it so much over the last year and a half. There's just, it's like, that's not, nothing's going to hit that hard. And I, I think you would agree with this characterization. Of course, in some sense, Francis is an, uh, an unsurprising Slightly unsurprising realization of the worst intents at Vatican II. Yeah, but in a really attenuated way, in a, in a manner so attenuated as to make it uninteresting. What's, what's more interesting is the totally direct way that Francis is the specifically and the generally instantiation of the Sankt Gallen Mafia. That it's just way more interesting. And the Sokola Mafia, they were all a lot more at the council, a lot. So that's that's your your bridge, Joe. The bridge between Francis and you know, you know, I'm not saying you have an agenda yourself, but the the trad agenda, Vatican II, yes, we there's there's some connection, but the connection is the Sankal and Mafia. And the reason I spend my energies there is because that's way more interesting, way more sexy, way more specific way more direct. Um, the Tsonko and Mafia led to Francis like uh, it's not the genetic fallacy. Carbon copy. He is, it's an input-output machine. You put into the input machine the Tsonko and agenda and the personalities and what comes out on the other side is Francis and, and the last 10 years. Right. And, you know, so that that's, I think... I, I'm not disagreeing wholly that there's no connection between the worst elements of the historical reality of the council. I'm just saying that you, you, you try, you're barking up the wrong tree by trying to find Pope Francis in a prefigurative way in the documents because the documents were safe and cautious enough to allow the evil to unfold in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Well, acorn oak tree is, you know, the, basically what I suppose what I'm saying, even though trees aren't poison, you know, poisonous tree, oak trees aren't poisonous. But uh, I, I think what, what I was going to interject with was it might be maybe it'll be useful one day for uh, us to do a, some, some kind of series where we go through the council documents or something like that, just for uh, yeah. just to kind just just to be just so we could be a bit more detailed on uh, 
on what one might consider an error or one might consider an ambiguity in the council. I mean, the irony of the whole thing is, and we've, you know, I think traditional Catholics have always kind of acknowledged this, uh, is that uh, the, the trads, the ones who are critical of Vatican II, uh, accept more of the council than Pope Francis probably does, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. which is... Which, yeah. is, which is, and you know, the, the irony is it's been stated a million times, but it's still, it's worth knowing, you know, and it's, it's worth restating. I agree. Um, but, uh, so, but yeah, I, I think, I think I would like to do that at some point. Yeah, we should. Um, now close with, close with what, what do we do? The second half. Well, what, what do we think of this pontificate? I don't think it's helpful anymore for mainstream trads or mainstream I don't want to say Novus Ordo, mainstream sort of sensible Catholics like Matt Frad types, sensible, politically conservative Catholics who aren't ridiculous left cats, you know, but mainstream cat. That's who I mean. The Matt Frad crowd, the Taylor Marshall crowd or whatever. Just just pick two kind of figureheads that represent these. I don't think it's any more um, efficacious or helpful for either of these two mainstream groups, because now trads are mainstream, to continue to refer to those who are trying to reason fairly and detailedly about the basic requirements of Francis being so bad, I don't think it's fair to characterize them as like really, really fringe anymore. I, I guess this means the Benedictus Pope people you would say, Joe, that this that also the set of contest should be included in that. I, I'm not, I'm not ready to go there yet, but uh, th even not that you are a set of contest or you've gone there because you're not and you haven't. But you think it should be in the realms of polite conversation, and I'm like, I don't know. But the point is, we have to do something with it. We have a pope that says it is a sin to follow Jesus's commands. So we have to do something with that. I don't know whether it is possible to have a Pope who says it's a sin to spread the gospel or not. And, and he said it so many different times and ways. So what do we do with that? Well, I usually give somebody this kind of thought experiment, right? So if they, uh, <laughs> if, uh, if somebody came up to me, you know, and was like, well, okay, gun to your head. Uh, 200 years from now or 500 years from now or whatever, uh, if, uh, you know, when the Pope, when the Pope and the church set things right, would you be surprised if, um, if Francis was an anti-Pope? Um, I would say certainly not, would not be surprised at all. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I, I personally believe that of, uh, I, I also would not be surprised if, uh, if that were true of Paul VI and his predecessors. Uh, it would it wouldn't shock me. So I so I do think that there's uh, some reason to doubt. Do I think the reason to doubt is more so with Pope Francis? Uh, yes, I, I I certainly do, and I, I really um, I, I will tell you I'm at the point where I avoid saying Pope Francis because I don't um, I really am not sure about whether or not he's Pope. I would I, I would probably be more surprised if he was than that if then if he wasn't um uh, and what i so it's funny because i do hear a lot about unite the clans and all this stuff and uh you know what 
and I agree in theory, but I, I unite the clans a lot of the time seems to me also kind of, uh, and with all charity to people that are included in this because I like many of them. Um, so it could be agenda laced a lot of the time because it, it usually means, um, it usually means the SSPX, the FSSP, the Institute and the diocesan Latin mass communities. And look, I love holding hand and singing Kumbaya as much as the next guy, but, uh, I do think that we're at um, a point now where uh, and we're in what Malachi Martin, I think, called the quickening. Right. Um, yeah. It's it's there, you know, yeah. and uh, why. And it's why I, I am more willing to extend the olive branch to the set of probably than most people, because, look, uh, and we talked about we talked about the uh, and this could be a really deeper conversation, I guess, about the criteria that the church uses for such things, right? Um, whether you are using Bellarmine's criteria or um, Cajetan or John of St. Thomas, um, all three of whom give you different criteria for judging this sort of thing. The point is, is that there is a legitimate criteria in what, that the church lays out in which you could um, humbly arrive at the conclusion that the guy's bogus um, and, and remain Catholic. So that's why I think I don't, that's why I don't have a much of a hard uh, a problem with, with people that do that. Um, but what, but, so what, okay. I, well, but, but I, I want, what I, what I wanted to emphasize is that um, I, I don't, what, what I don't really have much patience for though, is people dogmatizing their own conclusions on these things. So if you're, if yeah. you're going to say that, if you're going to dogmatize being a Pope planer in the year of our Lord, 2022, um, I'm not going to take you seriously right. uh, and, and I shouldn't have to, uh, if you're, but I, if you're Agreed. also going to, you can't, but the, 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 the inverse is true. I don't think you could dogmatize something like set of a either, because I think the interpretive, uh, the, the doctor, you know, the doctors that the church has, has laid out as like valid interpretive dates for this stuff. There's, uh, there seem to be a number of uh, hermeneutics and we talked a lot about meta magisterium, uh, and, and things like this, which gets into an even deeper question of, uh, you know, how, you know, just, just how do we, just how do we judge this? And my, my outlook on this has always been the whole saints on all sides thing. And because the church, the church does in this, in this crisis here does allow for a, uh, has to allow for a diversity of opinion necessarily, but opinions that are within reason. So break it down like this. This is, this is how you and I talk and we, this is why we always reason things through together. And I think our methodologies are really similar, even though some of our conclusions are different. I, I like what you're saying. What, what is ruled out that we both agree with that, that we both agree about is Francis is in any way a good, a good Pope or even a precedented Pope. Um, it's ruled out basically the entire project of the Pope's planners that he is even an ordinary bad Pope. That's not no longer, there has never been a Pope that says it's a sin to follow Jesus on some on all these fundamental issues. So the normiest construction of events that I can go. I'm going to give you three scenarios, okay, Joe? Mm. Um 
normiest possible construction that's technically plausible. Normiest, and I guess for me, still the most likely. Here's the normiest I'll go. Francis is the worst thing ever happened to the church. It's beyond any doubt in my mind. But he's Pope. Okay. And I think you acknowledge this is, uh, you might think this is less likely than me, but you think that that's, you said it last night, that's definitely a possibility. And I don't know what happens then. So you could, like, yeah, you could be Catholic and believe that basically, you know what I mean? Is what is like, I would, yeah, it's, it's allowable basically. Right. It's allowable. And who's to say, because it's unprecedented. Right. So we don't right. know how likely, but he, and I, I still think I'm more, more, more likely than not. Yeah. I still think he's Pope. Um, but he's the worst thing ever to happen to the, the church and therefore humanity. Uh, but somehow he's Pope. That's the normiest I go. Anything less than like, oh, no, we've had popes that say you can't follow Jesus before. No, we haven't. <laughs> Don't lie. Okay, yeah. the slightly, the, the somewhat less normy construction that I don't think is that far out of the mainstream is basically the Benedict is Pope position. You know, I'm, I'm not endorsing this view, but I've never thought it's wildly implausible. It seems less implausible now than it ever did. Francis is the worst thing ever to happen to the church but is not actually Pope Benedict is right. So not, not set of a contism. This in some ways, I think the second least plausible, uh, not the third least plausible uh, is the simplest, even though I think it's less likely than, than the normiest construction. I think it's simpler and cleaner in a lot of ways. And then of course the least normy construction is basically the construction, I mean, interpretation of the world now um, right. is basically set of a contism. And I obviously it can't be fully ruled out because of the Avignon papacy, but I, I still think it's the least likely and it's way, way, way out of the normy constructions and it's still the fringiest, but um, it, so you got, those three. Uh, I'll give you the last word. What do you say about those three? My main point was in the normiest, still technically, I think the most likely thing, Francis is Pope, but he's like the worst thing ever. I don't know what that means about Pope's. You go. Yeah, and uh, my, uh, it's funny, we've, I've, I've talked about the, like this sort of thing comes up, right? And uh, my, my, uh, my, my view on it, uh, what I usually say is that either Francis is Pope or nobody's Pope. I, I personally, uh, and I hate to say it, like, uh, I, I hope nobody thinks I'm being like nasty or, any, or uncharitable to the uh, Benny Planus or anything like that, because uh, there are probably, you know, I think everybody's really confused and, you know, diabolically disoriented and myself probably more than anybody. So, uh, you, uh, but, but my, the way, from the way I see it, uh, it seems to me that Benedict, just by like uh, just by saying the word "I resign," right? The words "I resign" uh, lost the papacy, uh, or or did abdicate the papacy. And uh, I heard uh, Doctor Maza, whom I actually respect a whole lot, and he's I we I appeared with him on your show, and uh, I really thought a lot of him as a man, and uh, I, I really thought he was very charitable and a good and intelligent man. But um, I see we're like positing the idea of the papacy as a sacrament. And I think we're having to do a lot in order to um, hold that view. I think it. I think it requires uh, more than 
than it really should in order for it to be completely tenable. I wouldn't mind talking to Dr. Mazza at some point about that. But um, to be fair, there are like four separate and conceptually distinct paths, like a campaign night path for Benedictus Pope to be true. I'm not endorsing any of them because I'm right. not in this camp. But I, I think it's weird that you would say it's basically not feasible. I'm not saying plausible. You're saying it's not feasible that Benedictus Pope, my middle construction of the events in the church is zero percent chance that that it's right no, well no i wouldn't say zero zero would be uh i would it seems so it just seems to me the least likely of the three like i i would i would put one at a more likelihood of than two but um probably give uh i'd probably go like 60 40 that three is more likely than one um I don't know how to quantify any of this, by the no, way. No, it's impossible. I mean, I'm just kind of throwing figures out there, like all the time. No, 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 no. But I like yeah. it. What, yeah. Okay, so. um, it, and I'll say what um, I hope nobody has my head for this. But uh, Father Jenkins of the um, he does videos for the he's part of the SSPV um, said uh, I, he he didn't say it of Francis, and I'm not. Uh, and I'm, I'm using his words, especially in relation to Francis here, is I, I'm not saying that so-and-so is not the Pope. I'm just saying I don't see how he can be. Um, that, is, that is kind of the tack that I take now towards Francis. Not that he's not in some kind of positive way. It's just very hard for somebody, uh, for, me, for me to see how somebody like that can 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 be the Pope because it seems to teleologically just go against the whole mission of what a Pope's supposed to do. And if you, you listen to a lot of what Bellarmine says, yada, 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 that's a whole show. Right. But this but, is the thing that we talked about last night that made it so interesting. I'm not trying to interrupt you. I just, we had such a good talk. Yeah. I have it as the normiest construction that he's this bad, but is Pope that has a very non normie conclusion. The only real way that could be true I think is basically great apostasy apocalypsis, which is not the normies aren't going to like that. So no, yeah, even at my I, normiest, my most likely thing, if Francis really is Pope, but he's as bad as he clearly is. I, I think the only way you have a Pope like that, that's sui generis is we're, we're in end time stuff. So I don't, none of these paths I'm saying normiest, Slightly less normie, which is Benedictus Pope. Least normie is Benedict uh, uh, of a None of them are normie at all. I, I mean, <laughs> right, yeah. We're out of normie <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, well, like, nor yeah, it's only, like, it's only normie, um, uh, it, you know, for, as a useful term, equivocally, right? Yeah. Um, but either way, it's really bad. I mean, <laughs> you know, we all know that. I mean, either way. You're talking about if it's not the great apostasy, it's something, you know, like that. Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, like, that's kind of why I wanted to go through these three paths. I'm like, there's no other real paths for the church um, besides these ones. I, I think the bottom one's the least likely. But between those two competing ones, it's like we're out of the realm. The, the, the sun has risen and set on the day of normie Catholicism. And that, that really has been in the air for about four years. I remember, you know, 2018, that was, that was the sun beginning to set on normie Catholicism. The, the new wave of enthusiasm, you know, uh, for, for the Latin mass. I know people have been 
tried and true that are 60 that have been going the whole time since, you know, the seventies. But, but that was a fringe thing whether they like it or not, that was seen as a fringe thing. Now all young people love the Latin mass. Um, it's probably your parting shot. The normie Catholics, I guess, I mean, the Pope explainers, you mentioned this right before he rolled tape. They're freaking out. I guess the Franciscan university project, they're freaking out because Normie Catholicism has died. Now pretty much all young Catholics want the Latin mass and at least mistrust Vatican II, even if they're more like me than like you. We kind of mistrust it. And uh, they're pretty much at least glad trads. And they don't like this. So Normie Catholicism has died. You're either just sort of all in if you're a young person or even a little young like me. I'm not really a little young. I'm just a middle-aged guy. But if you're not a boomer, you're just either like path one, Francis is Pope. I guess we're in end times. Path two, Benedict is Pope. Path three, <laughs> Diamond Brothers. Right. No one really knows how to appraise it. There are three balls in the air. <laughs> and you're, you're basically lying if you say anything normier than any of those three. At this point, that's just what I believe. I'll give you the last word for the show. Yeah, and I will uh, give a little... You know, but uh, you mentioned uh, the Diamond Brothers, and I think uh, you mentioned the whole Steubenville and somewhat uh, the Opus Day. Uh, this whole, this whole kind of World Youth Day focus missionary type of you know these big of you know uh, you'll you'll people will know like the aesthetic these like charismatic things that you know the Scott Scott Han and all those guys were in favor of, and I, uh, nothing against Scott Han, but. Um, this whole this whole thing, this trying to make the Novus Ordo and Vatican II program appealing to uh, the youth and stuff like that, uh, it's over. It's completely over. Yeah. And any and any young and any person my age or any young person my age who's still trying who's still trying to defend this 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 garbage is is propping a cadaver up and pretending it's still alive. It's, it's dead. It's gone. Agreed. Um, this, this like happy, this like happy go lucky nonsense Catholicism is dead. And yeah. to, to be honest with you that, and the person, the, and I think the person who ultimately put it down was Peter Diamond. Uh, like if it was, if there was still a faint of a pulse left and I'm not saying I agree, I don't agree with all of his conclusions. I'm not a Fenite for instance, and I do go to mass on Sunday, <laughs> but, um, if there's anybody, uh, uh, that, that, got rid of the pulse still left in that body. It, it was, it, it was him in that debate. And I think that, I think that the Catholic media world and the sort of the, the Catholic world as we know it right now is still reeling after that. I agree. And, or, well, I mean, I, I might place a somewhat less, less emphasis on that debate, but that was, that did feel important. It felt accidental, but important. And I, I just mean in general, I've said several times, the Novus Ordo is doomed to die. Thank goodness. And Dred's are like, how? I'm like, I, I don't know the path forward, but I, I'm good at reading the signs of the times, I guess. And um, yeah, it might be longer for this eventuation than we want, but too, young people love the TLM, man. That's why Francis is so obsessed with killing it. That's why the Synod on Synodality has as one of its four goals, <laughs> killing the Latin mass definitively, the more you clamp down, it's like Princess Leia says, the, the more you clamp down, the more you'll be resisted. And um, 
And yeah, the, the, the Novus Ordo just doesn't work for it's it's licit, it's it's valid according to me, but it's just it's just bad. No one likes it. No one likes it except boomers, and it's not it's not going to be around for a long time. So pretty much even the new normie is quite unnormy by everyone's standards. I just wonder. Okay, real last word, you Joe, why are we the only ones having conversations like this? They're not had on the trad end. Where you're like, look, here are the three paths. I'm not sure which one's which. Here's what I find the least plausible, the most plausible. They definitely don't happen on the Pope's planer end of the church. And they don't happen in the trad end of the church. Why is it only like you and me talk like this? Where it's like, I don't know what's the deal. Here's what I think is most likely. That, that, why? It's very, it's very few where you'll... Uh where you'll see a kind of, uh, open, open forum type stuff. It's, uh, I think it's guys like us. Um, obviously I appear with Kennedy all the time and, uh, Tim Flanders too, I think has been, uh, very, uh, very hospitable, hospitable, but you could count the people yeah. on one hand. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, those guys seem to be good at, at this. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a fair question. Um, I don't want to imply anything about, uh, you know, how their bread's being buttered or anything like that. Um, I, I, I will be, and, and the, and that aside, I, I, I actually think, um, what, what people end up missing is, uh, is, is philosophical formation, uh, first and foremost, because if you can't, uh, have a discussion based on premises and conclusions and things like this, and like, kind of having a good structure in your head about this stuff, it, it you end up, it, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, boxing, like, uh, like, uh, goo or something like that. You just can't do anything with it. Um, actually, uh, I'll, I'll actually, I'll close with this. Um, uh, Doug Wilson, whom, uh, we've, we've spoken about and whom I admire a good deal. I, I don't shut up about Doug Wilson. So he's a Calvinist pastor, right? So he was talking to, um, he was doing a dialogue with James White, uh, who's also a notorious uh, Calvinist, right, um, about Roman Catholicism and uh, about whether or not we could be saved. So that's how the other half lives, right? <laughs> um, so uh, it was very entertaining. But uh, towards the end, he um, he he was uh, kind of kind of breaking down because he lives in he lives in Moscow, Idaho, and there's a fair amount of traditional Catholics uh, just north of him. Um, so he was like, he said, he said, there's still, um, there's a good, there's a good group of, uh, what he called, he called them Tridentine Catholics that are, he's like, and they're, they're still holding on and they're, they're the ones resisting Pope Francis. And he said, and he said, you know what? I hope they win because he's like, I could debate them, but I can't debate, but I can't debate. Um, I can't, he actually included the East. He's like, I can't debate the East. And he's like, I can't debate these liberal, these liberal Catholics, these left Catholics, um, who are who are who are trying to explain away everything Pope Francis does because they know he's not Catholic. You know what I mean? He's yeah. a, he, they know he, they understand it better than we do a lot of times. I think and uh, and he's like he's like it's that Western formation, that formation in in, in logic and uh, scholasticism and and Aristotelian categories and uh, I would say Platonism too, of course and uh, and the church's intellectual tradition and Doug Wilson said, it's that, that I could have a conversation with. It's that, that I could debate the rest of this stuff. I can't debate because it's not logical. That's, that's a good, that's a good answer. And I, I, I like that guy too. Um, 
there seems to be a Christendom of goodwill, not of goodwill distinction that matters. And it does even cross over to the other half, the Protestants, how they live. Um, yeah, I like that. And I, I wasn't saying it's only on this channel. I meant, I think mainly on this channel and others like it. I, I think Tim Flanders, um, just genuine, good, good man of goodwill that, that will follow uh, where he's the one guy we could all agree on. You turned me on to, I think Kennedy, Kennedy. Right. Yeah. Kennedy. Look, it's the term has a bad association for us Catholics because of Freemasons who are like our enemies, but it's free thinkers. It's Catholic free thinkers. I don't, I don't mean in the Masonic sense. I mean, ones that will follow premises to their logical conclusions. There are Catholic free thinkers and there's a small group of them. And then the other ones are just trying to, um, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Trad, Pope explaining, they, they are saying they're doing all this convoluted logic to make sure their bread continues being buttered. Uh, and, and there, there are some guys on the internet. I'm happy to say Flanders is one of them. Uh, Kennedy more and more I'm thinking is one of them. There, there are others too. I'm, I'm, this is not an exhaustive list that are like, look, I just want to go where the truth leads me. When Kennedy was like, COVID led me to becoming a libertarian. I was like, that's a, that's a, that's a logical conclusion. How are the, I'm going to be doing the show on Wednesday on this. How in the hell after COVID have, has the new right of post-liberals arisen? And at the same time, a lot of those people try to condemn the COVID lockdown. No, no. If anything, you should be led toward, I'm not, I'm not endorsing outright libertarianism, but you should be led in a more libertarian direction if you don't like COVID and the forced jab and the forced lockdowns and masks and all that. Thank you, Kennedy Hall, for whether or not I agree 100% with libertarianism. Thanks for being led in the right direction, even if some say you're led too far. That's free thinker in a good sense. Flanders, holy man, free thinker. He's a trad who defends JP2 and Benedict. I think that's a hard sell, but it's, it's a hard ask. But uh, I respect it. He, yeah, yeah, these, there are some really, really, really good men and honest men on the internet. And we should be charitable to those ones that even we think are, I guess, being a little less than honest. I don't, anyone who's Catholic, Pope Splainer, Rad trad who will whatever. I I I wish the best for you. And um, if I've ever been uncharitable on Twitter, Joe, you, if you've ever been uncharitable on Twitter, I, I think both of us sincerely are guys that are like, hey, yeah, I make mistakes. I do it tons per day. So uh, I, I know you and Lofton had kind of a thing, but I I don't. I think I think he's a good guy. I don't know. I I don't. I want to be good with everyone, but I just want the truth to out. I hope uh, Michael Lofton does, um, you know, I, I hope he's able to admit what we both talked about today. That's all. Um, ult ultimately, anybody who's good and honest, I would be, you know, happy to break bread with or, you know, share communion with or whatever. Um, but yes, that honesty is a prerequisite. There's Volt, my friend. God bless you all. Peace. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners.
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.